Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. COVID-19 is affecting everyone in the country. Many people are facing struggles right now that no one could have foreseen. Layoffs, loss of income, isolation, others find they're working longer and harder hours with lots of stress. No matter where you fit into this list, one thing is for certain, we need peace now more than ever. That's why Pastor Lynn is doing a series simply titled Peace. Join us for part eight, Divinely Blessed Peace. Here's Pastor Lynn. Good morning. If you would find your place in Psalm 29, and uh, I'm going to kind of walk you through some of the highlights of it, but then we will uh, really focus on two verses. We're going to focus on verse 10 and verse 11 this morning. Uh, Our topic is going to be divinely blessed peace. So let me ask you a question uh, to begin with. In spite of uh, everything that's been going on, in spite of COVID-19 and whatever else you may want to bring into the mix, um, aren't you glad if you know Christ is your Savior? Let me precondition that. If you know Christ is your Savior, aren't you glad that you can experience, now, now listen to this, a degree, that doesn't mean it's perfect, but you can experience a degree of divine peace in your life. Amen? Aren't you glad that you can do that? Uh, I guess that's what we're going to uh, talk about. Uh, and hopefully you can say amen to that. Hopefully by the end of the service you'd be uh, maybe even more confident in the fact that, uh, that you have, as a believer, divinely blessed peace. In Psalm 29, uh, David uh, writes about the glory of God. Uh, most Bibles have a head in there that says, uh, ascribe to the Lord glory. Um, and he appears to be describing a storm that takes place. Some uh, theologians or scholars believe maybe he's thinking all the way back to the great flood. But it appears instead probably he's talking about a, uh, a flood that he's observing. And it causes him to discuss the glory of God in about three different realms. The first realm, uh, in verse 1 and 2, uh, David sees God's glory ascribed to him in the realm of worship. And it appears also there as he talks about worship, it may be heavenly worship because uh, he writes about the mighty ones, more than likely talking about those around the throne and those are, are worshiping God. But he also talks about the glory of God uh, that he seemed to be experiencing in, in this earthly storm that he views. Uh, it appears David is observing a, a storm. Um, it starts out over the Mediterranean waters. If you kind of track, we won't take time to read this. You can read it later. But it looks like it starts out over the Mediterranean waters, and it kind of makes its way across to uh, uh, Lebanon and uh, takes care of some of those great cedars to where the, uh, uh, some of the heathen nations around Israel, they thought that uh, their gods lived up there in, uh, in those big trees. It's almost like this storm is making sport of, of their gods that are there in these big trees, uh, so to speak. They thought that, uh, that Baal also, by the way, was in control of the storms. Uh, of course, we know that's not the case, and we'll say more about that in a moment. But he watches that storm start on the Mediterranean, make it to Lebanon, wipes out a bunch of trees, eventually goes about 200 miles uh, to Kadesh, and there it looks like the storm dissipates once it gets there, that it, that it stops. But through this, David, as he experiences this storm and watches this storm, he, he speaks of God's voice being heard in the thunder. 
He, he speaks of God's presence in the lightnings and, and even uh, God's voice shaking the desert there in the wilderness at uh, Kadesh and even twisting those mighty oaks down in Lebanon. David also speaks of uh, all those who are in heavenly temples. He says, crying glory uh, to God as they see God's massive display of his power <clears throat> through this storm. I've personally experienced in my life that God can speak to you in a storm, literally and uh, in other ways. Uh, I've had storms there in my life that God used to teach me a lesson. Have you had that happen in your life? I was literally called to the ministry during a storm. On July 4th, 1984, uh, I was supposed to meet Becky, my wife, and uh, her parents to watch fireworks. We were living in Wilson County at the time. That's where I'm from, where I grew up. And I was still serving in law enforcement at the time. And I was supposed to meet her at what was the Wilkesboro Mall back then. It's not that now. And I watched fireworks and I rode through and there's so many people there and everything. And God had already been dealing with my heart. And I couldn't readily see Becky and her parents in the crowd. So I thought, I'm just going to ride on up to W. Scott Dam. And I'm going to get on the dam and I'll just watch the fireworks in the distance. Pulled up there, got my Bible, went out, sat under a street line. I thought, I'll just sit there and read my Bible while I wait for the fireworks to start. Uh, problem is, uh, another big storm blew up. <laughs> and uh, it has such lightning, bright lightning, that it knocked the sensors out of the street light where I'd planned to just sit there and read my Bible. And God put me in total darkness. And as I was sitting there in total darkness, I started seeing the fireworks in the distance in the town and people there on the lake uh, doing a little pop-pop fizz-fizz with their fireworks. And, and then all of a sudden, God would roll this display across the sky. And it was as though God was saying to me, that's what man can do. Notice what I can do. And through that storm, I was just convinced he was calling me to ministry, and I started to kneel down and pray. And by the time I started to kneel down and pray, this old black cat came up and, and everything. That's Daryl's favorite animal, by the way, in case you guys didn't know that and, uh, and all. But uh, that, that cat came up and started making all kinds of weird noises and sounds and, and everything. And it uh, kind of bothered me just a little bit. But I went ahead and prayed, and as soon as I finished praying, I looked up and the black cat was gone. Now, don't take me too strange, but I'm going to think one day the Lord's going to say that was probably a distraction from Satan trying to get my attention off of what God was trying to call me to do. I'm just saying that God can use a storm to speak to you, to use it to speak to your life. God has the power to send storms. God is the one that manages storms, and God has the ability to cause a storm to dissipate also for that storm to go away. Third thing, and this is the two verses we're going to hang out in, David sees the glory of God upon his heavenly throne because it talks about God being there upon his throne. We'll read the verses in a moment. Now, I've already mentioned to you that, that Israel's neighbors believe that Baal was uh, uh, God over the storms. He's not because he's not a God at all. You recognize that. He's a false God. God is the only one that has total almighty power. And Psalm 39 magnifies the sovereignty of God and the power of God in his creation, even through this storm. And this brings glory to God. And that's what David is writing about. Now, all that being said is background. I want you to look with me at Psalm 29, verse 10 through 11. I'm going to read it to you from the NIV to start with today and then kindly show you the way the Amplified Bible puts it also, the Amplified Version. So Psalm 29, verse 10 through 11, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. No, no, look at the Amplified Bible. The Lord said his king over the deluge, the storm, the flood. Uh, the Lord, in the parenthetical statement, still sits 
as king. And he does, amen? He's still king. Still sets as king and forever. The Lord will give, and then another parenthetical statement, unyielding and imprintable strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, as we look at those two verses this morning, I want to challenge you to consider how divinely blessed you are. In particular, I want you to consider how divinely blessed you are with God's strength and with God's peace, because that's what David writes about here. So let's make three important observations this morning. Here's observation number one. Observation number one is this, the one who blesses, the one who blesses, the one who provides the strength, the one that provides uh, the peace that we're talking about, the one who blesses. Verse 10 said, the Lord, that's who the one who blesses is. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. So notice three things in that verse. To begin with, notice who he is. Uh, the Bible calls him the Lord, and, and that uses the, the Hebrew word that was like the national name for God, and it's the word that literally means that God is the self-existent, eternal God. The root word simply means he exists. Now, now guys, the emphasis I'm giving that is simply this. God has always been. No one ever created God. God has always existed. He always has been. He always will be. God existed before any storms you had in your life. God will exist after any storms you have in your life. God existed before COVID-19. God will exist after COVID-19. And God's not being sitting in heaven wringing his hands wondering what in the world he's going to do with everything. God is who he is. He's a self-existent, eternal God who just exists. 18 times in these 11 verses in Psalm 29, he's referred to as a self-existent, eternal God that just exists. That's who he is. Second thing I want you to observe is this, not just who he is, but notice where he is. The Bible said he sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned. The Amplified Version, once again, put it like this. He still sits as king. The word sits in the word enthroned is really the same word. And, and the word means to sit down specifically as a judge. But it also means to sit as a judge with calmness. So I've already kind of alluded to that a minute ago. God is the judge. He's the judge over the storms. He's the judge over the floods. He's the one that has all power. And God is not sitting, as I said a moment ago, in, in heaven wondering, what in the world are we going to do? Everything's going on in the world. God is in perfect calmness. He, he sits there as a judge in complete total power. And, and it means... Also, it says he's over the flood. In other words, he's, he's over any storm, any flood, any deluge that might come into your life. God has total authority and total power. God is sovereign. He was king and sovereign over the great flood. He's king and sovereign over the storm that David sees. Any physical, literal storm we will ever go through in our lives, God is still sovereign and king over it. Any other type of storm you go through in your life. I faced a lot of emotional storms and personal storms in my life. Guess what I found out? God was still in charge. God hadn't advocated the throne. God was still seated there upon the throne over whatever storms are going on in my life. And God has still been over the, on the throne and over all this flood that we've been facing over the last few months. COVID-19 has to bow before God. Do you recognize that? There's a lot of things taking place in our world right now. People flooding into the streets. 
over a tragic event. Guys, that should not have happened. I spent 10 years in law enforcement. I know what protocol ought to be. You arrest someone, you get them in the car, you leave from there before more trouble starts. You don't stay there and keep your knee upon someone's neck. What happened was completely wrong, but also what's happening as a result of it now is completely wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. And now we have people flooding into our cities with little black tight jeans and little black shirts on and black masks on, and they're acting like they're going to be in control. I've got news for them. God's in control. They aren't. I've got news for the political parties, whether it's Democrat, Republican, whoever. God is the one that's in control, and he's in control of all the situations that we were facing. There's only one who's in control, and it's the Lord, and he's enthroned over heaven. Third thing I want you to notice about that verse is this. Notice his eternal reign. We notice who he is. He's the self-existent, eternal God. We notice where he is. He's seated in heaven in total authority and control over whatever flood, whatever storm may come. But I want you to notice his eternal reign. Because the Bible also said there in verse 10, the Lord is enthroned as king forever. That phrase, enthroned as king, simply means king and he's reigning. That's what it means. But this phrase in the Hebrew has always been interesting to me. Because the word that's used here for forever means concealed. It means to the vanishing point. It means time out of mind, past, present, future. Just like time out of mind, like you can't even frame it in some way. Practically, it's talking about eternity. The root word means veil from sight. So, so think about the, the meaning of, of that word forever for a minute. That, that simply means this, guys. God reigns and he always will. If you're looking for a time that God's not reigning, that God's not in authority, that God's not upon the throne, you'll never find it. Look for it as hard as you want to. Look to beyond what seems to be concealed. Look to the vanishing point of all history. And when you get to the vanishing point of all history, God is still there. And he's still in authority and he's still upon his throne. Look beyond whatever you can see as though you're trying to look beyond what might be veiled from our sight. We sent up rocket ships, develop all kinds of powerful telescopes and everything else. If they ever get to the very end of it all, you know what they're going to see? God is still in control and he's still on his throne. God is the one that, that reigns. God is enthroned as king forever and ever. Time out of mind, as much as you can imagine what time might look like, God will always, always, always be upon the throne. There will never, ever be a time when God doesn't reign. And he's the one who blesses. The one who blesses is eternal God. Second main thing I want you to see, second main observation I want you to see today is the blessings received. The blessings received. Verse 11 says, the Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with peace. So I'm not trying to imply <laughs> that uh, all the blessings received from God are in this verse. This is just what David talks about. There's a lot more blessings from God than this. Amen? But, but he writes about the blessing of strength. He said, the Lord gives strength. Or as the Amplified Bible puts it, the Lord will give unyielding impenetrable strength. The, the phrase gives strength mean that God gives it the way the, the tense of it and the way it's written in the Hebrew means that God gives strength with the greatest latitude possible. With the greatest latitude possible, God gives us the force we need, the security we need, the majesty we need, the power we need, the boldness we need. The root word literally means to be stout. So if you've made it thus far in your life, 
And evidently you have, you're here today. (laughs) Whatever you've made it through in your life, have you ever thought about why you've made it through everything you've made it through? I would suggest it's because the Lord has given you the strength and he's given you the ability to make it through whatever you have made it through. You made it through COVID-19 thus far. You made it through maybe some financial downturns and things like that thus far. Can I also suggest to you that may be because that God that sits upon the throne, he's enthroned over all the floods, over all the storms, that he's given you the strength to make it through whatever you may face. David talked about God in the terms of the one that was allowing the storm, controlling the storm, and causing the, the storm to dissipate. We still have the same God seated upon the throne that David writes about. God can allow storms to enter our lives, to enter our world, and I think he's done that. I hope that people recognize it may be for a purpose. God can send a storm for a reason, for a purpose. He, he kind of shut everything down. All the gods of this world are kind of in shutdown mode right now. And we ought to be hearing God himself speak very loudly to us in, in all that we've been through. God can allow storms to enter our lives or enter our world for purposes so we can learn lessons or be molded to be more like him. God, in, in his authority and sovereignty, controls the direction of storms. And God can cause the storms to cease. What we need to learn to do is this. Trust in his strength that he can provide for us to help us make it through whatever storm we're facing in life. God gives with great latitude the strength you need, the force you need. Maybe put a new twist on the force be with you, huh? The force you need, the security you need, the power you need, the boldness you need, the ability that you need to be stout when facing storms. God is the one that provides that. But the second blessing David writes about is this. He writes about the blessing of peace. Because he said there, the the Lord blesses his people with peace. That phrase, bless his people with peace, uh, man, it kind of blows me away. The the word literally means to kneel. And the majority of the time in Hebrew, it, it means this. It means we are kneeling in adoration of God. We, we are kneeling before God in his majesty to worship him. The same word that talks about us adoring God here in this context talks about God kneeling to extend peace to us. God God cared enough for for God to kneel and, and lean over in our direction to extend peace. The word peace here is the word we saw last week when we were meeting outside. We've only seen this word peace twice in this series. The majority of the time peace has come up in this series, it was talking about being at peace with God, being brought together and being at one with God. But here's the Hebrew word shalom. And the Hebrew word shalom just kind of, man, it's got a lot of meaning. It talks about God being concerned about our safety, God being concerned about our welfare, God wanting to be our friend. God wanted to be sure that that we experience his best. All that's included in this word, shalom. God's interested in our welfare, our health, our prosperity, our our peace. The root word shalom is built on means to be safe in mind, body, or state. That's what God wants for you. God wants his best for you in, in, in your mind and in your body, in your state. And figuratively, the root word means this, to be completed. And I told you that last week outside. And to me, that's the definition I love of shalom. Because the thing that completes us is a relationship with God. 
the thing that really completes us, that really brings peace into our lives is understanding that God cared enough to kneel toward man, to bless us, to kneel us, to, to kneel toward us in benefit, to, to, to bless us with safety and wellness and happiness and, and friendliness. God kneeling for our welfare, for our physical, emotional, spiritual health. God, God kneeling for our spiritual prosperity to provide us with peace. God desires to bless us where we're safe in mind, body, and estate. God kneels beneficially toward us in order that we might be completed. And God never knelt more than when he became flesh and he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of a cross in order that you and I might be completed. As as Philippians 2, 7 and 8 talks about his great humility, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. He died for me, he died for you in order that we might experience his, his peace. Last thing we'll see this morning is the recipients of the blessings, the recipients of the blessings. We talked about the one that blesses. It's the almighty Lord, self-existent God, seated upon his throne, seated over the flood, over the storms of our, of our lives. We talked about two of the blessings out of all the blessings that he gives us, two of the blessings. He blesses us with strength and, and he blesses us with peace. But it's really strategic for you to understand who the recipients of the blessings are. Look at verse 11 again with a different emphasis. I read a moment ago the emphasis upon strength and emphasis upon peace. Look at it again. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The the Hebrew phrase that he uses there to his people means people as a congregated unit. It means a tribe. That's a new buzzword we've been using in the church planning team of the Baptist State Convention that our new leader, Mike Pittman, came up with for us to view ourselves as a tribe, you know, more than just some kind of uh, ecclesiastical group that may help plant churches, but to, but to view ourselves as a tribe. The children of Israel was built up of 12 tribes, And yet God viewed them as one unit. God called Israel to himself as his congregated unit. God took Israel and made them his troop, his army. God brought Israel to himself and and he called from within Israel the priesthood to be attendants unto him. That's part of what the the, the word means, to be a tribe, to to be troops, to be attendants, to be a flock. The root word means to associate with or to be overshadowed by by huddling together. So God had a priesthood of attendance for himself through Israel. Israel was his flock and he led them. He, He led them out of Egypt. He turned them into a mighty nation. He brought them to the promised land. He led them as his flock and they were associated with God and God overshadowed them with his wings. There's several times in the Bible. It gives us the image of God being like an eagle <laughs> or a bird spreading out his wings and his people having safety and security underneath his wings. That's the way Israel was. They were recipients of God's strength and God's peace. And that's still true. Israel, some people want to write off the nation of Israel. You better not do that. God's got plans for Israel down the road. But... Israel is not the only ones that are part of his people. Amen. 
Because his people also alludes to, alludes, alludes to all those who've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. All those who by faith have trusted in the finished, completed work once and for all that Jesus performed on the cross. And if you've trusted in, in Christ in that way, you are part of his people. We've talked about this a lot lately over the last year or so. It seems like it keeps popping up. But God's revelation tells us God is preparing a people for himself from every, every nation, uh, all peoples, every language, every tongue. And one day we're going to be seated around the throne forever. You see, guys, to be honest with you, all the racial stuff that's taking place where people are using it for political poison, everything else, ought to be a mute issue for believers because there's only one race, the human race. And we're all, through Jesus, going to be seated together for all eternity. God created all of mankind and all the wonderful diversity that he's given us. But one day through Jesus, we'll be seated around the throne, and God will bless his people with his shalom, with his peace for all time. Through Christ and Christ alone, God completes us. But the great question this morning, you see, it's, it's wonderful to know that there's one seated upon the throne, and he's eternal, and he's over all the storms. All that's great. Wonderful to know that. It's wonderful to know that he gives strength and he gives peace. But the great question is this. Do you know for sure you're part of his people? Do you have any doubt, any concern? Do you know absolutely for sure you're part of his people? Those who are watching with us online this morning, do you know without any doubt you're part of his people? Because while it's great to know all these things about God and all the blessings that God can give us, it's only his people who can experience his divinely blessed peace. Now, I understand the Bible talks about him causing sun to shine and rain to fall on everybody. But it's only his people that receive his strength and his peace. I want you to ask yourself this morning, do you know the one who blesses? The one that's on the throne. Do you really know him? Is he really your Lord? Do you know him? Why don't you ask yourself, have you, have you been experiencing strength and peace in your life? Maybe you're not because you don't really know him. You're not really in a relationship with him. Or maybe you, you really know him, but you've kind of been ignoring him. And that's why you're, you're not having strength and peace in your life as you should. You need to ask yourself, am I a recipient of God's blessings? Do I know that I'm part of his people? And if not, why not trust in Christ today? I understand the circumstances have been bleak, and some of you and some of you that are with us online, you may, you may be feeling like your boat is taking on water. And your little boat's about to go under because of all the floods and all the storms and everything happening in your life and in this world. Maybe that's the way you feel. Can I suggest to you what you need to do? You need to be sure you have Jesus on your boat. Because the same one that sent the flood and controlled the great flood, the same one that sent the storm that David writes about and controlled that storm or any other storm that's ever been sent, the same one that, 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 that sends the storms and allow storms to come into our lives to help us draw closer to him and teach us lessons. 
That same one can speak, peace be still, and the storm be gone. The same God that sends the storm is the one that manages the storm. And what you need to do, if you've never done so, is invite Jesus into your boat. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat. And for some reason, when I read that this week, they just this next Four words stuck out really more than it ever had. Just as he was. And the other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling, and he was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were all filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Answer to that's God in the flesh. Will you notice that phrase just as he was again that I pointed out? They took Jesus just as he was. That's all we can do. That's all you can do this morning is take Jesus just as he is. God in the flesh who died on the cross for your sins. To pay fully for all your sins. You have to take him just as he is. And here's the neat part of that. He will take you just like you are also. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to renovate your life in some way. He'll take you just like you are. And then he'll change you to be more what he wants you to be. What we need to do as we face storms is to be sure he's on our boat with us and let Jesus speak peace to our storms. Let's pray. Father, we... uh, Father, we come before you in prayer right now. Those that are gathered here and hopefully those online are praying with us. And Father, we ask you to help us, empower us all the more to trust you. We admit we've been going through storms that we weren't expecting and we didn't understand. Help us to understand that you're the Lord, that you're seated on your throne over the storm and that you can speak peace and provide strength to our lives. Father, we pray that each person listening to my voice, whether in this room or online, we pray they know that they're part of your people. And if not right now, Father, deal with their heart. Draw them to you. Help them to admit to you the sin they can't save themselves. Help them to trust completely, totally in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'll be here at the front. Uh, Some of our other pastors will be here at the front also. If you need somebody to pray with you, please come. If you need just to come and kneel in an altar and pray, maybe you've been guilty this morning because of not trusting him in the storm. Maybe you felt absent of peace and absent of strength in your life because you've not been trusting him in the storm. Maybe he's not even on your boat. And if not, why not take care of that today? I'll be here Pastor Daryl and John will be here at the front also. And if if you need us, 
Please come to us if you need just to come pray. Please come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.